0: Okay, folks, welcome to the podcast. I have, uh, I have an honor, actually, to be interviewing somebody I've known for quite some time um, and, and truly was someone I looked up to and was a mentor of mine growing up, and that's Clint Alexander. Clint, for the two or three people out there that truly don't know who you are, uh, could you tell me a little bit, uh, Tell them a little bit about who you are, your current position, and uh, what you've got going on right now?
1: Well, i Clint Alexander. I grew up in Albion, Michigan, on a horse farm out on 11705 24-mile road. Um, I graduated graduate Albion High, went to Olivet College, and currently the head football coach at Grand Blank High School in Grand Blank, Michigan.
0: The Bobcats, correct?
1: The Bobcats. Not quite a wildcat, but close.
0: There we go. Clint, can you uh, talk a little bit about your um, – track that you took it's a kind of a unique track the path to how you got where you're at right now a little bit of a timeline from where you started your coaching career the stops along the way from really to the beginning to where you are now and the best that you can.
1: All right well uh I uh my first head coaching job was a. At- Concord High School in 1997, and I'm still thankful to this day that they gave me a shot as a head coach. I hadn't been a head coach before, and just loved it Mm -hmm. there. Went from there to uh, Northville High School. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, was head coach of Northville High School for three years and then went to Woodbury Forest School in Virginia, which was an all-boys boarding school. Uh, I think the school is 129 years old now. It's a great school, high academics. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, after 12 years there, we decided it's time to come back home to family and the grand blank job opened for the first time in 25 years and we put our name in and we're able to get it.
0: Coach Joe Delaney is who he took over for, correct? Correct. He uh, he's in the Michigan High School fo- uh, Football Coaching uh, Hall of Fame, right?
1: Yes, sir. Big shoes to fill.
0: Yeah, I can imagine how that that uh, coming in there in that position. Uh, did you feel any pressure taking on that role, uh, or was the community really just open arms and really um, made you feel comfortable along the way, Clint?
1: Well, you know I don't know mm-hmm. that anybody in the world really likes change, so sure. after having a coach there for twenty five mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. it was going to be a little bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, But I also feel like there was a lot of people that uh were excited about maybe a new direction, so you know any first year in any football program, there's bumps along the way, but I feel like now you know going to our second year, everybody knows where we're trying to get to, and the parents and the kids have all bought in, and we're really excited about this season
0: very nice, very nice uh and as I said alluded to earlier I've known you for a long time I I know um I want to go back to even in the early years i I know you grew up on a farm I, I and I bring that up Clint because I I know you well enough I know that plays into your character and what you do as a as a coach um let's talk a little bit about and especially to the listeners about that experience how you've kind of woven that into your your coaching fabric uh your family your siblings what your jobs were on the farm, you know, and how that's really translated into you building relationships with kids.
1: All right. Well, uh, Growing up in, uh, at the farm in Albion, mm-hmm. you know, we had a lot, a lot of stock. At one point, we had 50 horses and a couple hundred head of cattle, so real busy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I loved it. I look back on it all the time, wishing I could go right back to doing what we were doing there. Um, but the one thing about a farm, you, you learn the worst really never done. You right. get up with a good plan, and you feel like this is what will get done that day. And then, unfortunately, horses and cattle have a mm-hmm. way of changing the plan. You know, mm-hmm. they get out or something happens and before you know it you know you're going to add three or four more hours to your day but you just get it done and yes. so i had an older brother john and yep. an older brother kyle and my sister was also older than me so i was the baby as they mm-hmm. all like to tell me mm-hmm. um and we're, uh, you know, there's a lot of days we're going out the barn at six and coming back in at six but uh somehow made it all work and and for me as a, a coach and as a teacher and, and mm-hmm. as a dad it just installed a uh, a uh, work ethic. Sure. You know, you just stick at things to get things done. So, boy, I loved every minute of it. Um
0: so definitely that's that's part of what you bring to the the practice field every day, Friday nights is that work ethic. Um I know also along the way, Clint, um you had a you know, you you went to all that college, you played there. Um, and then you had some unique stops between, if I'm not mistaken, between Olivet College and actually your first coaching job. You had the opportunity to work for Tom Monahan of Domino's Pizza, correct?
1: Correct. Correct. Yep. Uh, yeah, some pretty exciting things. You know, I left Olivet College. Actually, I I was injured my junior year, and my mom and dad split up, so I mm-hmm. stayed with my mom for a semester and went to Albion College. And my leg just had not healed, and I got an opportunity to work on Mr. Monahan's executive protection team, which was a great opportunity for a college kid. Um, I spent a lot of time at Tigers games, got to meet a lot of people, um, got to learn a lot. And and actually, it bought me an extra year to get healed so that when I did go back to school, I could do it and and finish up. I'd really hurt my ankle and... uh, he badly and and actually the ankle was a four year reoccurrence of that wonderful trip you and I took Mm to the LB hospital when Mm -hmm. I hurt my ankle in high school. Yeah. So, uh, worked the executive protection team when i came back to Domino's after i graduated college i was able to run one of the corporate hitches we had hitches like the clyde stales yeah they had uh, shires and they had miniature horses and went all over the country and just loved it i got to see four for the lower 48 states and I, I it was like being in a graduate class because i learned so much about the country i learned about customer service and sales and mm-hmm. and all these things you didn't know you're doing when you think you're driving horses and so most of that really became about relationships, so sure. as a coach, when I finally became a head coach, you working with people, working with parents, working with kids yeah. it's really all just about finding a way to be successful you know i don't I don't care that I'm right, I just want to make sure whatever we're doing's right so that was a great opportunity and then the other thing I did. Um, you know, I met my wife at uh, Double J Ranch. It was a resort ranch uh, in Rothbury, Michigan. I was mm-hmm. a head wrangler. And she showed up and changed my life forever. I saw her and <laughs> said, well, I'm going to have to marry that girl. And, uh, so I, I took a job at Star Commonwealth. Sure. Yes. You know to finish up my teaching degree, and, and Star really helped me. You know, working with kids yep. and problem solving. So I think all of those things, and when you add in horse trainer, all those things kind of make this alphabet soup that worked for me as a football coach.
0: Now staying at all of that college for a little bit, you, we had we'd have talked, we had a brief conversation, of course, before this. Um, you had the opportunity to break down film, and, and that's where you really started getting an inkling where you could be this do this coaching thing, correct?
1: Yeah, I had a you know, they you know a farm boy got a job assigned in the dish room <laughs> as a freshman. I said, look, I'll do whatever you want, but I'm not I'm not a dish hand. Yeah, and so they gave me an outdoor job, and then the head football coach said, hey, do you want to help us in the football office? And sure. so I was giving tours and I was breaking down film, and and he he told me early on, you'll be a football coach. And I said, ah, I, I think I'm going to be a lawyer. He was right, and I was wrong. Yeah, and so for four years in college, I was really like a graduate assistant for college staff, and so. You know, I didn't know I had four
0: really good ge of tootle under my belt before I ever became a head coach in high school very nice well and and the rest is history that's awesome so let's let's go now let's move on so after after Northville you had the opportunity to go to Woodbury um, <laughs> uh, and from my perspective um, you, you really a, kind of a, a different type of scenario probably than you were used to um, I'm assuming. Uh, can you talk a little bit about Woodbury Prep, uh, what type of school it was, where it's located? I, I think, you know, a lot of people are curious about, you know, the, the culture there, um, the academics. Can you talk a little bit about that, Clint?
1: Sure. Sure. Um- you know, honestly, I didn't know schools like that existed. You know, growing <laughs> up in a public school and, and growing up in Albion. So I get down to Woodbury. There's, I think there was 122 coaches that applied. And I made it to the final three. And then after the final three interview, they told me they were going to want me to come back. And they were going to interview my wife. And I said, well, the her, I, I know I'll get this job. And uh, I end up getting the job. Well, so Woodbury is an all-boys boarding school. Yeah. I think now it's $56,000 a year. Oh. Um, it's only high school. So there's about 400 boys, um, $330 million endowment, 2,800-acre two campus. I mean, you, we had 17 fields and an indoor track and two mm-hmm. turf fields and mm-hmm. a golf course. I mean, you name it, we had it, you know, academic buildings that yeah. were $24 million a piece. So it was more like a really, really nice Division three college than it ever was a high school. Right. Um, so getting in there, you know, the program... I was a ninth head coach, and I think 107 years when I arrived, and so a lot of tradition, you know, coaches stayed for a long time, and I had the opportunity to really try to build something special, so they'd always been good in football, we tried to kind of raise the level a little bit, and uh, I, I ended up in 12 years, we sent 83 kids to college, I got four kids in the NFL, and I never thought I'd get, you know, one kid to a big school when I got started, yeah, so... Uh, yeah. It it was really great opportunity, Um, great kids, really smart. And so the level of football in the Virginia privates is way beyond anything you be used mm-hmm. to around here even mm-hmm. the catholic league mm-hmm. and the privates up here are it's it, it's a little bit different right. um when i left woodbury our team was ranked higher than any team in michigan even Cass tech when mm-hmm. i came up here so mm-hmm. i was used to basically playing at a college when i left there so i was excited to get back into high school and see how i could swing for the fences but right. uh we were kind of like Stanford. If you put Stanford in the SEC, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were Stanford. Yeah. And we found a way to get it done with great kids that were really smart, that would work hard and, and play for each other. And that's kind of always been my foundation is being selfish, be a leader, and be disciplined. But most importantly, be unselfish.
0: And from and what our converse- role, conversation we had the other day – um you you for everything you had at woodbury there were definitely some football factory prep schools around you correct
1: oh yeah yeah we play Union military who sent probably 40 people to the nfl um so they would you know they could go out and get like 27 new seniors in a year well we can do any of that we didn't take any new seniors we might bring in four juniors of which two might play football so we had to Build a team, not buy a team. Right. And I like that. And so that gave me more time to develop kids and build build culture and we never wanted to graduate our team. We just wanted to keep polishing the sword so to speak and so you know we, we'd we be number one in the state and it looked like everybody left and the next year we'd be number one in the state because every other kid we had mm-hmm. played during the season to get them ready and mm-hmm. they stepped in and hit the ground running but the other thing that was probably more important than anything I did is they didn't want to let each other down they didn't want to be that class that took a step backwards so right. it, they just kind of wanted to keep this machine going and, and it was fun I had a great staff and yeah. we were like a family
0: what was the term you used the other day, Clint? When we were talking, and we were talking about youth. And, and although they're top, uh, potentially top uh, athletes uh, at your school, you were you were a parent figure, and you use a yeah. use a. a uh, <laughs> what was the term
1: you used? In loco parenta, yeah. you were, it's a Latin term that basically you're the you're the father, you're the you're the mother, and and so my wife and I we would have therapy days with forty two boys in the house, you right. know, and there was food everywhere. We we had a Super Bowl party where we spent all day putting food together for these kids, and we yeah. had three rooms so they could watch the game, and had a neutral room and fanatic rooms, and by the end of the first quarter, we were cleaned out. And we couldn't believe because we started with not a table empty of food. And you forget how much boys can eat. We oh. went into the dessert and started to do everything else we had on hand because we were shocked that everything was gone in a snap of your finger.
0: Clint, you just mentioned it um about food and it just brought me to my you know, I of course have a son myself. talk a little bit about your immediate family. Uh you have you have uh, children, boys, correct?
1: Yes, sir. I've got an older daughter who's uh, working in uh, – she actually works in San Francisco, lives in Detroit, flies back and forth, and okay. she's doing really well. She's an Alma College graduate. Her name's Shelby. Okay. My oldest son's Wyatt. He's going mm-hmm. uh, to be a junior at Alabama. Okay. Uh, a lot of the mm-hmm. Southern boys down there would very love the uh, Alabama <laughs> Roll Tide program, so he went down there and just loved it. Right. And my youngest son, Colton, mm-hmm. will be a senior here at Grand Blancister. Very nice. Uh, uh,
0: the boys play football? Yeah, Wyatt was mm-hmm. a all state kicker for me
1: in Virginia and, and had a lot of opportunities. Next he has tried to kick for Bama twice. He's made it to the final three. Oh, nice. And then they bring in the three fifth year seniors that all transfer in, and he hasn't mm-hmm. quite made it yet. But I think he's going to play lacrosse down there this year. He's really excited about that. Very and nice. and Colton plays lacrosse and um, football. And actually, my daughter was a heck of a volleyball player, and she played volleyball at Alma.
0: Great, great. Well, let's let's uh let's talk about the a couple other schools that you were at before Clint, and I want to hit on one. As you know, um, you were at Concord to start your career. Um, let's talk a little bit about that, and some of the 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 culture that was in place when you got there. Some of the biggest challenges you faced when you came on. Can you talk a little bit about that, and actually the unique situation of which you were hired. Uh, I mean, the moment you were hired, can you talk a little bit about that when you walked into that situation and and the the records of the j v teams and so on and so forth if you wouldn 't mind
1: yeah uh, so actually, uh, I was in the middle school we started mrs van S, wanted a middle nope. school football program, and okay. of course me not knowing much about Concord, we put that together, and I think we went thirteen and one that first year between the two programs. And, you know, boy, there was so much excitement. Everybody's going crazy because I didn't know how bad <laughs> things had been on the varsity. So uh, then I, you know, the the job comes open. The head coach resigns. Everybody's like, oh, you got to apply. You got to apply. So I put my name in the hat and waited about two months. And finally uh, called Mr. Lehman and said, hey, I guess I didn't get an interview, huh? He goes, hey, Friday night, Hunt Club Restaurant, bring your wife. I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, this would be nice, you know. And I'm push, literally pushing Elaine's chair in. And then he goes, congratulations, you got the job. I said, well, wait a minute, you haven't even asked me any questions. He goes, well, no one else applied. And, and I think that sentence hit me about like a lightning bolt, and I yeah. realized, wow. Yep. If I got a lot of work to do because yep. you got a varsity football job that people didn't even want. Yeah. And so I got into the program. We finished our first camp with ten players on the varsity. We pulled a bunch of kids out of the band to get sixteen <laughs> for the season, but we kept the young guys down, let them have a little success, and yep. you know, it was one of those brick by brick things. You know, every day just keep grinding. Before you know it, our fifth year, we were mm-hmm. just playing you know Detroit Depores and state semifinals.
0: Yeah. How big of a thrill was that for those young men i I gotta imagine coming from what they the program the state of the program that it was in and uh uh to where where they were at I gotta imagine the whole town was just tickled to be where they were at as well it as was they,
1: they put a a breakfast together for us that morning, and literally it was like hoosiers we drove through town main street was packed awesome. And, uh, and as we passed people, they were getting the cars. I mean, literally the whole town followed us. You probably could have robbed any house in town that day. And, you know, we ran into a team that was just a buzzsaw for us. And yeah. we'd had such a great season. But, uh, you know, but I grew up a lot that day because I did something at halftime. I've never forgotten. And I'm, I'm so mad at myself. But, you know, me, I, I wanted to get in that state championship. And yep. I'm disappointed about the first half. And yep. I let them have it at halftime. And, and I've thought about that over and over and over about, how I really should have just said, you know what, everybody's here. So mm-hmm. Proud of you. Had the best season in the history of the school. I Love you, and let's just go out and have the best second half we can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and boy, I let them have it. And they had a reunion a few years ago and asked me to come. Of course, I was coaching Woodbury, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. But I wrote a letter mm-hmm. to them and just begged for their forgiveness and told them, you know, how sorry I was, and, yeah. and I've never done that again and uh yep. i just asked for them to forgive me and and, sure. and let them know how much i really cared about because i'll tell you what it was it was a special year yeah and they they got a lot to be proud of and i'm so proud of max clark he's the head coach down there now one of my players exactly. and we actually did a little seven on seven hot dog cookout event yesterday together yeah. and, and it was a ball
0: it went well then that's a, that's great yeah max is doing great things and uh I try to keep at least a uh, finger on the pulse of what's going on over there, and uh, I, I'm hearing nothing but good things about the program and, and the continuation of really what 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 you've built. And uh, I know Max was an athlete of yours, and he's doing good things over there. So that's that's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, well, let's move on then. Um, I know Clint, in in your style of coaching, that a lot of you've had a lot of mentors and and. Uh, you know, the former coaches that played a big part. Uh, of course, Coach Mike Sequette was your head coach, but even an assistant at the high school level played a, a major role. Uh, coach Dan Vetter in, in your development, and then, of course, uh, Coach Morley Frazier from Albion College, uh, lore you know, really played an integral part in the way you developed your style. Am I correct?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, coach Sequette was a great coach, and Yeah, I think back to our Sturgis game. You remember this. He had emergency (laughs) appendicitis surgery, and we did the whole warm-up, and we're playing for the title, and Sturgis was the only team that beat us the year before, and we come out of the locker room for the last time, and here's an ambulance on our sidelines, and he's sitting in a wheelchair, and we all took a knee around him, and from that moment on, we weren't going to lose that game. I mean, that was just, yeah. I mean, I feel bad for Sturgis to this day because yeah. they could have had guns that day and we'd have won that game. Yep. So uh, he was quite an inspirational leader. And then Stan Vetter was really the guy I spent most of my time with. He coached the linebackers, was a defensive coordinator, but he also coached the old line. Mm-hmm. So he had me on both sides of the ball and huge mentor for me. He was the one that really got our, our program up in the weight room mm-hmm. and uh, was like uh, having another dad. And so he did a great job. And then when I became a head coach, my mom said, you need to go talk to Morley Frazier and and find out what you really need to do. So, when I took the head coaching job at Concord, I went and met with him. And sure. Morley would always follow up with me. And when I had my first introduction to what I was going to do at Concord, I had Morley come be the guest speaker, which, you know, talk about setting yourself up to fail. It's like you have Bear Bryant talk and yeah. then you get up after him. But, uh, You know, he did such a good job, and, you know, we met one time in a big boy, and, you know, we would do that every year at the end of the season, and he's rattling off all these things about my program, and I said, Morley, how do you know all this stuff? Yeah. He said, I'm that little white car across the street. He goes, I watched 37 of your practices. (laughs) Yep. he was telling me things my coaches did and (laughs) kids did, and I'm like, I know you come to the games, but I I mean, how do you know that stuff? So, he really it's been such a huge impact on my life. And actually when he had died, Mm -hmm. you know, my mom and I went to funeral, but I called Liz one time and just said, I just want you to know Morley's down here in Virginia with me too.
0: Yep. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah. If anybody's worth their salt in coaching in the Midwest, they know young or old, they know coach Morley Frazier for sure. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, couldn't have had a better person or persons to, to get you along your path. That's awesome. Um, Clint, I know, uh, I know you well enough and followed you through your coaching career, building relationships with young men. Um, I know that's huge. I know it's a huge part uh, uh, of – with any coach who's going to be successful, you've got to have those relationships. In today's day and age with social media and all the pressures that go along with – um you know with youth nowadays um talk a little bit about how you do that how do you get kids to bite into your side to to bite into your plan to invest themselves from you know truly year-round but you know if end of july beginning of august all the way up through end of october how do you get today's young men to to do that it's it's got to be a tricky situation
1: well, it is hard and, you know, they're so glued to their phones now. But I also think the more they get glued to their phones and the more the families sit with their faces and laptops and mm-hmm. phones in their hands, mm-hmm. you know, it creates this need for somebody to care. So, sure. you know, our whole thing as a coaching staff is, you know, love them up. You know, we're going to literally care about these kids, tell them we love them, be there when we need them. You know, we finish every day in the weight room with a character discussion, some kind of life lesson mm-hmm. or and literally something as simple as, why you hold the door for a lady. Yeah. Um, so we had a snow shoveling program where we said, hey, we asked the boys, just find one person in your neighborhood that, you know, the single mom, the older couple, and just do their snow for free. Don't take money for it. Do it because it's the right thing to do. Um And so little things like that are just kind of like, you know, deposits in a love bank. Right. And then, you know, just how we practice, you know, kids make mistakes, but I don't know if I've ever met a kid in my 24 years mm-hmm. that's wanted to. So mm-hmm. when they make mistakes, I'm like, care about them anyway. You know, don't pull them. Don't embarrass them in front of their friends. Trust me, they all, if they care at all, they already feel bad. Right. And so we just try to keep making sure that, you know, win or lose we're going to win with the kids. I've you know, i I've always promised our moms that your son's more important than any win in our program. I'm never going to win a game and lose your boy. Right. And because yeah. we do that, I feel like the kids really play hard for us. They give us everything they have. They, We talk about embracing your role. Don't covet the next man's role. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I might play the same position in our program. I'll probably play both of us, right? But mm-hmm. let's say you get 30 plays and I get 12. Well, our rule is, we'll put you 12 in the highlight film, baby, and you'll get more. That's yes, right. And, uh, and so the kids really buy into that. And then mm-hmm. week to week, I'm a big Belichick guy. Mm-hmm. Um, week to week, we'll try to change our game plans. Well, that means we're playing different kids for different reasons. So by the end of the season one time... I asked one of my good friends. He's a coordinator at Purdue University right now, Mm -hmm. Anthony Point Dexter. Mm -hmm. I said, Dex, when you meet my kids at Woodbury at lunch, I said, do me a favor. Ask them if they start on defense. And he said, man, why do you want me to do that? I said, come on, do me a favor. So we get done. He's like, how you got 29 kids say they start? I go, isn't that awesome? I said, because he started week one. He started week four. He started week five. But once they start one time in their heart and in their soul, they think they're starters. So all of that, to me, goes back to relationships and just – they got to know how much you care before they care how much you know, and so we just got we're oh, constantly right. trying to do everything we can to make sure they know we care about
0: them. Well, and as we were talking about the other day, when you got kids at Woodbury, you're taking care of their babies. I mean, it's it's fine, I'm dandy. Literally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you're they're sending them really in, almost in a, in a collegiate type of atmosphere. Um, There's you're sending them off. They're sending them off to a prep school, all boys prep school, and they're expecting that you will although it's not probably said, that you will uh, take care of their safety on the practice field, that you'll take care of their safety off it to the best of your ability, watch them academically. So you you, uh, you you know, you truly were the parent there, you know, in a
1: sense. Yeah, my wife, uh, she made birthday cakes. Yeah. And, anyway. and if I had a dollar for every time a boy would come to my house and kind of talk to me, and I could tell they didn't want to talk to me, I'd go you want to talk to Mrs. Alexander? Yeah. And yeah. you realize they just miss their mom and they'd hang out in the kitchen with her and mm-hmm. help cook yes. or just just sit and talk with her on the porch. But it was funny. and They were so sweet. They wouldn't just say it at first. I don't I, I okay. realize they don't want to talk to me. No. <laughs> they want to talk to her. Um, but no, we did. We enjoyed that. And so that really helped me. Even in public school, though, you know, I've got some kids that don't have a lot at home. i got yep. kids that have one of homes. But we just want to make sure And and it's a little thing, but I try to do it every time. If a kid comes into my office, I stop everything I'm doing. I sit down Mm -hmm. and I make sure they know my focus, my attention is on them. Mm -hmm. And when they're done, I'll get back up and start working on my computer or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when they're there, all eyes, all focus on the kid. And I think that
0: means a lot to them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know you. Your motor runs high. Um, High energy, high octane type of person Take us through a, a regular day, Clint, during the season. Uh, a busy day during the season, from the time time. What time you get up till till you're you know putting your head on the pillow. Talk to me about your day.
1: Well, we uh, you know I'll give you so if we play the game on Friday night. We've been in Saturday morning. Uh, we're watching film with the kids. We're lifting um, from eleven o'clock. To probably 12 o'clock, you know, the coaches are all getting their homework assignments and then we're all busy watching film for the next couple of days. So my Monday at school. I'll get in the classroom anywhere from six thirty to six forty. We start class at about seven nineteen, mm-hmm. but I used to get in there early. I, I'm the classroom where kids, if they don't have a spot to go, they tend to come to my place. So I, I teach two classes. Then I go across. We have two campuses: we have a west campus, east campus. I go across the east where my office is, mm-hmm. and you know, at that point, I'm I'm watching film. I probably watch film till one in the morning on Sunday. You know, cause trying to get everything. I have to have everything ready on Monday afternoon, so we hit the ground running, practice wise. And so I'm creating practice plans, creating risk scripts for offense, defense. Um, we'll start practice. Uh, we'll lift after school. We'll have a meeting, so we start practice at about three forty-five. Done at five forty-five. Come home, try to give my wife a little bit of attention. And I'm probably watching film until 1. Right. So it's it's busy. Usually by Wednesday, the plan's in, and then you can enjoy Thursday night and watch the young kids play. And I try to make sure Saturday night's a date night for my wife and I. Sure. You know, football season can make her kind of a football will. And I think I told you this the other day. So I was leaving one time at... Uh, I'm ready to go back over to concord and we lived it out in Albion, 314 this wonderful uh victorian i bought from my mother and uh she took her <laughs> newborn son's hand and was waving his little hand at me saying well, we'll you know wave goodbye <laughs> to the sperm donor and i realized then how lonely a life a coach's wife can be if you don't make sure that you take the time to save your marriage yep
0: Actually, Clint, I ran by that house the other night, and I, I told uh, my girlfriend, I said, "There's that's the house that Clint first lived in. I remember that, when you lived on Michigan Ave, correct?
1: Oh, yeah. We loved it. I mean, my wife and her mom and dad and I, we worked hard to restore it. My I mom remember. had done a lot. We we picked it up, and man, it's still full of oak and love. Still I, the know, same colors.
0: Still the same colors that you guys oh, yeah. put on it.
1: I remember yeah, my mom had it restored <laughs> to the original Victorian look of purple and orange. Yep.
0: It's still there. I actually was out running, I got about five miles in, and I said, there's the house that he lived in. So I still remember yep. that. Clint, do you call the place, on your, or do you delegate that to your assistants?
1: No, I used to call the offense and at Woodbury, when I was playing such a high level of opponents, I realized I just can't make it winning 44-43 so I switched to defense so I could run the defense and the special teams because I'm a big combined arms warfare kind of guy. I love Napoleonic history where you had horses, artillery, and cavalry infantry, artillery all working together to win. Well, so if you could get two of the three to work together and have success, you could probably win the battle. Well, in football, if we can get offense or defense together or offense special teams, defense, special team, you can probably win that game. So yeah. I switched to the defense, and I call the defense the special teams during game night and, and let the offensive guys call the offense.
0: I know, and we're going to get into this in a minute in a little bit, but I know you look up to Belichick, and he is all-inclusive as far as, you know, he's total control over his program. Do you put a lot of emphasis on your special teams, Clint?
1: Oh, we work on it every day. we I can't time the games we've won with special teams. I, I know... You know, when I got to Grand Blanc, one thing that I wanted to change is they did special teams on Thursday. I'm like, no, we'll, we, will, we will do special teams every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to be mm-hmm. great at special teams. I don't want to be good at special teams. Mm-hmm. I want to be great.
0: Great. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this. What You know, we alluded to this the other day. What's, what's the future hold for, for Clint Alexander? Um, I, let's talk a little bit about what you have had offered um i know prior to this prior to you coming to grand Blank, you've been offered uh, collegiate positions or at least they've shown interest in you um talk a little bit about that and maybe your feelings about that versus staying at the high school level
1: well we had a couple opportunities when we were with barry to uh, you know one was mm-hmm. a d3 head coaching job mm-hmm. and you know some assistant positions at one point i was pretty serious with uh coach mendenhall at uva and yeah i talked to coach kelly at notre dame but uh we uh we just felt like the kids in high school need us mm-hmm. and and maybe that's our role and mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I needed to have that college tag to make me feel complete as yep. a coach. I really felt like you know kids coming back to our program and mm-hmm. and feeling like it was one of the best experiences I ever had just just meant more, and so we really felt that that was God's plan for us. And so we're we're pretty happy being a high school coaching family. And uh, you know, it's it's not always great. It's a lot of hard work, and you know, when it doesn't work, you just feel like I mean, I'll feel like I let the entire town down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that's it. when we lose a game, that's how I feel. I don't feel like I lost. I feel like I lost it for everyone in the town. So you know, I think that gets me motivated to pick myself up and keep working. Because mm-hmm. on Monday we're back on the plan. You know, sure. we can't. We, we have a rule called. We don't lose because we lose. You know, if we mm-hmm. lose a game, we don't spend the week punishing the kids because I'm upset about it. Right. We go out on Monday. I take ownership for everything that went wrong, and we try to fix it. And, and you know, most of the time we don't lose back-to-back games. Right,
0: right. Pat and yourself, I'm going to pat you on the back. You had the opportunity to go to Birmingham Brother Rice, and you chose Grand Blank, Correct.
1: Yeah um and I love the people brother Rice I love the principal I love the AD everybody was great there and yeah. it was a great opportunity for us but uh I uh, just—I was torn. I'd called all the friends I knew in coaching. I talked to my wife. I was going to fly home and sit down with her. I had both offers, and Brother Rice had given me a wonderful offer. And I was on the bus at Avis, and a lady about my age, minority lady about my age, she's looking at me. She goes, "Baby, you all right?" I said, "Yeah, I'm I'm okay." She goes, "What's, what what you been doing?" I said, "Oh, I've been interviewing." She goes, "Oh, it didn't go well." I said, "No, it went too well." I said, "I got two jobs. I love them to death." And I just don't know what to do. And she shot across that bus seat, he put her finger right on my nose, and she said, who needs you the most? And as soon as she said that, I felt like my mom had just showed up from heaven, because that was the one question I hadn't asked. I started crying. I hugged her. Right. I thanked her. I got off the bus. I called my brother, John. I said, John, guess who I talked to? He said, who? He said, I said, "Mom, stripped out of heaven. Oh. <laughs> I called brother brother right then and said, look, I'm going to. I'm going to take the grand blank job. And, you know, a little bit less money and a lot less prestige. But I'll tell you, we, we feel like we're making a difference. We've got 12 kids to college this year. And, and so the opportunity to change some lives, we've got some great kids to come out of Flint that really need football as a, a pathway to get to college. So we're going to try to make that happen.
0: Clint, um, I tell a story, and I'm going to be a little selfish here, in, in, in stories I've told athletes that I've had, student athletes over the years, Um I I it's, I think it's worth sharing in in today's mm, I don't want to say entitled or or coddled society um, of youth, but um, back when they used to have two a days, we had a morning session and it would be hot as blazes with Coach Sequette. We had an afternoon session. We had let's just say it was nine and three or eight and three. I mean, actually, it's probably seven thirty and three. You would ride your bike both ways from the farm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> i had and uh, you know i had this old 10 speed bike that had 10 gear that was it so getting it started was like you know mm-hmm. starting a car with your hand um so it was probably about about six miles legit with some pretty oh, good yeah. hills oh, yeah. um and i'd get that thing going and I, like i told you the other day said, you get to the top of a hill and you're almost standing still you're cranking that thing side sideways back and forth to get just enough momentum to get it going yep but uh honestly I, I'm sure it made my legs stronger because yep. that was a pretty hard head, uh, pedal. Yep. Um, and then the other part of it was, you know, my mom was already working. She was a real mail carrier. <laughs> my dad would work at, you know, at night and oh, then yeah. come in and work the farm all day. So if I was going to practice, I was getting myself there. But, you know, where the other guys would complain about, oh, I'm so tired and go home and lay down. Yeah. I would ride home, work on the farm, yep. get back on the bike, yep. <laughs> come back. And then come back and work on the farm some more. So to me, football practice a lot of times it was a break. Yeah, and I hate to say it, and I know it sounds nuts, yeah. but you know, my brothers and I used to feel like you know the coaches weren't as tough as my dad, and uh, the work wasn't as hard as the farm. So we loved practice.
0: Hmm. You had a unique group of guys. Uh, it's one of the toughest group of guys I ever knew at, at Albion in that football group with the, the Munch Bunch. You know. Uh, do you ever get a chance, you know, with Albion High School no longer being in existence, do you ever get a chance to talk to any of those guys, uh, the Conkles or Tony or Nicola or any of them? Do you get a chance to keep up with I them? I haven't.
1: I actually, I ran into Bernie's mom the other day at Anna's Flowers. I was so thankful. Mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. hugged her up and told Bernie her to make sure you tell Bernie I said hello. Mm-hmm. And you know, now that I'm back in Michigan, I'm sure I'll run into him more. Sure. Um, you know, Joe was my running mate. Me and yep. Joe Bramble were like, you know. Yep. glue I mean oh, we yeah. were just always together Chuck Cornell was a great guy to play <laughs> with and of course Tony and David was yep. but uh, yep. the Munch Bunch so that group that was Wilder and Mike Corey uh, well those guys were ahead of me at Olivet College <laughs> and so when I went to Olivet College they were there oh. um, and then I worked with both of them at Star Commonwealth oh, okay. great guys and great with kids and then oh, Mike yeah. became a principal sure. I think Steve's still running a home for you know boys and he is so yeah great guys I mean we you know, I look at the Albion high school, high school Facebook page every now and then yep. just to keep up with people, and, yep. and it's fun. You know, I miss it, and I, I like we talked the other day. Whatever we could do to get that school back, I boy, I'd be in. And you know, maybe that's my last job. If they ever bring Albion High School back, I'll come back coach a football team because you know we need to get <laughs> the Wildcats back on top.
0: I actually just saw the other day that Mike Corey took a the superintendent's job at Litchfield for this coming year, so he's going back into it. I'm good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Clint, so let's, uh, let's start to wrap this up. And I'd like to do a little quick hitters, a little quick uh, response, rapid-fire questions. You've been, you've been awesome as far as the podcast. Let's go for this here. Let's see. So uh, favorite current or former NFL or college coach you really model yourself after? We talked a little bit about that.
1: Well, I would say Belichick. I, I watch, I literally record every game they play and I break them down and I learn so much. It's like having a PhD class because every week they're different. So, Bill Belichick and what he does at the Patriots and getting a bunch of millionaires to be unselfish just blows me away.
0: If Clint Alexander weren't a coach, he would be a.
1: I'd be a cowboy somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, when, when, when my wife and I met, yeah. and I said, okay, honey, I said. Jim rat or barn rat. I said, I want my kids raised around people that know how to work hard. And the only problem with horses is that I knew, I said, it's not about when I get hurt or mm-hmm. if I get hurt, it's mm-hmm. when we just mm-hmm. got to hope it's not bad. So, so we went to coach gym rat route and it's really paid off for us.
0: Awesome. I know hundreds of young men, if not thousands have that have uh, been thankful for that. So good for you. Uh, favorite type of music.
1: Well, I, I, t- uh, you know, I I love George Strait and I love yep. country western, probably, probably more western. But uh, but Sting's my guy. I'm there a big Sting guy. I love Sting in the Police, and then I love Sting when he had his jazz band and Sting in his uh, sure. individual music. So I'm a Sting guy.
0: Favorite types of foods, and does Clint Alexander cook a little bit?
1: Unfortunately, I don't. I try to. I can make some meaty, adorable Redenbacher popcorn, though. I'm the popcorn king in this family. But uh, my wife's a great cook, and I'm really spoiled. But uh, and then you know, growing up on a farm, you know, we we yeah. take a really nice 4H beef steer to, to the slaughterhouse and have <laughs> the best steaks you could buy. So I'm a big steak and potato kind of guy.
0: Are you a hunter, Clint, or no?
1: I don't hunt you know we used to growing up we'd find so many deer that were shot up and didn't you know didn't get finished off or found and and so we ended up having to put all those down and it really took the shine off hunting season and and I I have nothing but respect for people that hunt (laughs) I just my you know my life growing up is finding so many wounded it just it just Mm -hmm. I felt like you know I don't need to add to that
0: absolutely uh do you and Elaine take trips in the off season such as right now? Do you go do things with the kids? What do you guys do?
1: We used to, uh, our big thing, we'd go down to Panama city. Her mother and father had a house down there okay. and we just loved it. And mm-hmm. our kids grew up doing it. Unfortunately, they finally sold it. Um, but we, we try to get away. Um, mm-hmm. And and at least kind of go do a week. We spent some uh, time this summer up at Mich- uh, Lake Michigan uh, over near uh, Grand Haven. But, sure. but I was trying to make sure, especially before the season gets started, to just spend some time together. You never know what the season's going to hold, yep. but you know like, you got to make sure your anchor's still there for you. And, and and you know, for me, you know, just spending time with her reminds me what's really important in my life.
0: What what are your prospects for the season this year, Clint? I mean, I, 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 as ob- objectively as you can. How are the Bobcats looking for this for this season? Talk to me a little bit about your returners. I, I didn't do this with you the other day, but talk to me a little bit about your returners and what's the outlook look like?
1: Well, I, you know, I think a lot, we got 92 kids on the varsity, so pretty excited about that. When I came, they'd had about 40, so we've mm-hmm. almost doubled the size of the team plus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're... I think we we can be better. We had a great team last year. We went seven and three in Mm -hmm. my first season and lost the state champions in the playoffs. The other team that beat us was state runners up, and the Mm -hmm. other team that beat us lost to the runners up in the district finals. So, you know, we lost to three teams we probably shouldn't have beat, but we beat about three or four we we had no business beating. So, uh, Mm -hmm. I feel like the kids have bought in. We're not losing games at halftime. Mm -hmm. We only had the lead one time at halftime last season. So, uh, you know, we find a way to get ourselves out of bad situations. Kinda of like a good teenager, right? You get yeah. yourself in a bad situation, you yeah. find your way out of it. Sure. Um but I feel like, you know, our depth should be better and more importantly, I've got a great staff coming up this year. We added some great guys and and you know, I got to know them, you know, and again it, relationships is important they are with the kids they got to be there with the staff too because we're all dealing with stress and we got to be able to handle that and still care about each other and I think my staff can take us over the top now we're in a brand new conference so it's hard for me to say because I haven't played any of these teams I only played one team this year that I played before last year okay. so I got a bunch of gray area out there but but we're certainly excited for it and I'll tell you our kids are doing all the right things so fingers crossed we'll we'll do all right
0: do you run a spread do you work I mean what do you kind of formation do you run Clint? Can I ask?
1: Yeah, we're, uh, well, you know, again, off the Belichick tree, we're going to run what we got to run to deal with you, right? So uh, we'll take a look at what our personnel has to offer that week and and what we feel like we can have success with you. And then, same thing defensively. You know, I had a a dad at Woodbury one time. He's the. Director of special operations for like the SEC, right? So this guy's been watching Alabama football his whole life. And right. he goes, Coach, I've seen you six years or, or six weeks in a row. You haven't run the same defense. I said, Well, I haven't played the same team. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to be flexible and, sure. and do what we have to do that week to have some success with what we can put our best foot forward with. Sure.
0: Clint, wrap it up. I know you were a big Jack Lambert fan growing up. Oh, yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I remember if I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I I remember a number 58 Jersey once in a while underneath your, your Jersey that you wore in high school and maybe even college one that was all tore up and ripped up or whatever. But you know, why Jack Lambert? What was it about him?
1: Well, you know, I was a young linebacker, and I think Coach Vedder said this, and I tell my players this, you know, watch your position. When you watch a game, if it's Mm -hmm. not your favorite team, Mm -hmm. watch your position. If it's your favorite team, enjoy the game, right? Mm -hmm. But if it isn't, watch your guy. Well, I started watching Jack Lambert, and I learned more about playing linebacker just watching him than I think any coach had ever told me at that time. And so, you know, I loved his leadership. I loved his toughness. That's the old steel curtain. And, you know, I was not, I am not a Cowboys fan. I didn't want this America's team thing. Mm -hmm. I was a blue collar. Steeler, towel waving, you know, Albion Malibu kind of guy. (laughs) You know, we were grinders, man. So that team represented who I thought I was as a person. And so I always wore a 58 under my pads. And then my senior year, we got new jerseys and I got a 58. And man, that baby was gold. And then I wore it four years in college. So he was, he was a guy. If you ever wanted me to run a little harder, play a little tougher, if you called me Lambert, I was good for probably three more tackles.
0: Very nice. Clint, I got to tell you. It's been an honor. It's been an honor getting reacquainted the last couple of days and our conversations off recording and and uh, boy, I'll tell you what. When I sat down, you know, I I did this podcast because I there was a number of people out in the area that had stories to tell. As I told you the other day, and and you were my top three there. I said I got to get old. You have been nothing but gracious and. um Sitting down, let's getting reacquainted, as I said, telling your story, um, the highlights. Uh, there are a number of people down here that, that believe me, believe me, that still ask and talk about you and breadth of, of, in that early 80s group, um, Albion High School and Olivet College of, of the greats. So it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. You're somebody I looked up to. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for sitting down and having a chat.
1: Well, I really appreciate it, and I, I've enjoyed it, too. It's been fun to go down memory lane. And we sure. talked about this the other day, and so to <laughs> give you a shout-out, you were an awesome manager, put up with all of us knuckleheads doing all the horrible things you do to managers back when, You know, we I wouldn't call it bullying, but we yep. probably hazed you with a capital H. Um, yep. But the one story I wanted to share is when we uh, – and you remember this. So back in the day, this is how things happen. So I, I literally break my foot, but it looks like a sprain. So they help me to my truck, and I'm going to drive myself to the hospital. Yep. But they don't want me to go alone. And what were you, 11, 12? Yep. Um, so they put you in my truck, and yep. you and I drive yep. myself to the hospital and check me in. And I'm just, I think back of that now, you know, we got trainers at every practice, and there's all this support. But back then it was me and you, baby. We yep. just drove to the hospital and got her done.
0: Well, you know, yeah, today's day and age, that, that definitely wouldn't have flown for, but um, it's, uh, there's many, many stories that I, I know I've probably missed here, and um, I, I hope, now I hope, but I, I promise you, I will get up for a game this season, um, and we'll go from there. But uh, maybe we'll have another podcast down the road, and, and as you, you know, get deep into the playoffs this year, we'll see what we got.
1: Well, let's hope, and we'd love to see you up here and tell everybody now. Be in the Concord area, we love them and miss them, and, and wish nothing but the best. And I'm I'm going to keep trying to pop back down there, and hopefully run into all of them.
0: Sounds good, Glenn. Thanks for your time. Good luck with your season.
1: All right, buddy. Thanks right. so much. Bye-bye. Bye bye.